Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Day in the Life podcast. I'm your host, Trent Martirosian. On this week's episode, we're switching things up a bit. We're doing like a movie review episode. It's going to be great. I got David Nealon, my unofficial co-host. Got Matt Rosenblum from The Lost Episode 3. And what we're going to do is we're going to watch a film called Bronson. And Bronson is a great film we've all seen, or we all, meaning me, David, Matt. And it's a Tom Hardy film, one of his best, in my opinion. So we're going to rewatch it and then talk about some of the themes in the movie. And we're going to talk about some deeper themes. So if you guys are listening to this episode, please watch the movie first because it will be entirely spoiled. So you have your warning. Uh, Other than that, that's about it. So without further ado, this is episode 21 of A Day in the Life. Enjoy. So, if you guys are just tuning in right now, we just watched the movie Bronson. Yep. And I advise that you watch this movie before you listen to this podcast. Uh, Why? Because we're going to be talking about the movie a little more in depth than just like the surface things. So, just do yourself a favor. Watch it. It's a great film. But we wanted to delve into this movie because we've all seen it before and we literally just watched it. And so, to give you guys a, a little context... What is this movie about? It's about a quote-unquote real person living in England who makes a name for himself, going to jail, starting fights, and basically wreaking havoc to the point where he's become England's most expensive prisoner. Now, to me, this movie is fascinating because we get to see this person not come full circle like most films. I mean, he doesn't have this character arc where he learns something and then comes back and his life is better in some way. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a typical story arc where, like, the character's life ends up better than it was in the beginning or just as good. Yeah, they make some kind of progress, some significant progress, Yeah. yeah. But in this movie, there was none of that. Bronson's still in jail at the end. The only real thing he's learned is, like, this kind of artistic side to him, as we saw yeah. at the very end of the movie. I gotta say, like, the movie is kind of just about him doing what he wants, getting what he wants. And what he wants is to keep being in jail and fighting. Like, that that's what this movie entails, is him wanting to be in jail and fighting. Well, okay, that was the question I was debating on whether or not to start with, is what does Charlie Bronson want? What does he want? He's asked many times in this movie yeah. by many different yeah. characters. What do you want? What do you want? And he almost never has an answer. That's true. That's 
that's what I think is like everybody asks him that question and he almost experiments with it. Because he he kind of goes through that with the uh, with the David Bowie looking dude with the cigarette with the tea and all that, like he's like he figures out, okay, I'm good at fighting, so I I'll be uh, Irish boxer, out in England, and I'll fight pikies. If you don't know what a pikey is, it's a gypsy out in England. Um, but I also feel he's kind of like going through this phase of being a child going into actually being noticed you know everybody calls him mickey matt matt you're a little off right now i asked you what does he want what does bronson want validation yeah i think he wants validation is it especially in the beginning and watching this a second time was really beneficial the first time i felt totally lost the movie's super intriguing but you know, you feel lost. Watching the second time, one thing I, I noticed is that it seems like he has such a normal, typical, you know, middle class, maybe lower middle class, you know, London upbringing that when he gets into fights in the British school system, he realizes, oh, this is a good way to get noticed. And then it, the idea just pops in his head. Well, if you want to be somebody, you know, you want to be a rock and roll star, as he puts it, then you have to show what you're made of. And for him, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to rob a post office, you know? And before that, he was getting in a bunch of fights at school as a youth. And I think he just saw that, like, this is my path to instant stardom. And so for a long period of time throughout the movie, I think he's constantly chasing this. And he, you know, every time he gets arrested and goes to jail, he just spends all this time working out. And I think it, it's his, like, one-way ticket to to validation, essentially. At least, at least he thinks so. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Well, then, tell me this. So he wants, he seeks validation. That's what he's seeking throughout the movie. He's openly admitted that he wants to be famous in the very beginning. But what does he like more? Does he like fighting and prison better than being famous? What does what comes first, the chicken or the egg? That's what I'm trying to ask here. Is mm. is does he does he just follow what he wants to do like being in in prison and fighting and then the result is being famous or is it how could I be famous? Okay, I'm really good at these two things, being in prison and fighting. I mean, so it's let me a do very that. vague idea, but I think it's more of him trying to express like what's really going inside like at first he tries to be seek validation like you said through fighting right and then in the end he tries to seek validation for himself through artwork he and what he's drawing is exactly how he sees himself he sees himself as just this mad dog just insane person just muscles just, yeah, and organs and muscles you organs know. just profanity yeah. everywhere just like he saw banana head all that stuff mm-hmm. yeah it it's just pure insanity and so he learned to express that self that that side of himself through fighting and then later in the movie he expresses that in himself through artwork and i think that's maybe him trying to actually understand himself i i'm going to disagree with that and I think it kind of goes back to David's idea of just validation. And it's not self-validation. I think it's validation from other people. Because what set him off? The very last scene of the movie, Bronson is doing well. Mm-hmm. He's at this art studio. Relatively. As well as he could, I guess. Relative, for the, for yeah, the situation. Well for, yeah. for the movie, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the context of what we're talking about. So right. he's doing well. Probably the best he's ever done throughout yeah. the movie. And then he screws it up. Well, what happens... 
before this scene. His artwork has been trying to be given to the person that runs the prison, the prison warden, and he doesn't even look at it. And so I think that fucked with Bronson's head. And I think that's why well, what's the very last he cracked. Scene? What's it's the very it's last him, scene? him rebelling. He makes his own artwork out of his art teacher, literally. Right? Sorry for the spoiler. Mm. But he does that. And then he tells himself, that's a piece of me, all right. And then he gives up. That's it. He's like, all right, you come get him. You can come get me now. And that's it. He, and then what does he do? He fights right. back. He expresses himself and he accepts himself. But that, I mean, still, I think I was onto something where he wanted to be validated by everybody. He wanted to be yeah. validated by the prison warden. And when he wasn't, he's like, fuck it. Mm. I'm just going to, like, right. let all hang loose again. I'm just going to be validated the only way I can by fighting. I want to expand on what you're saying because I think it's really at the heart of the movie in such a big way, this idea of validation. You could look at the first maybe two acts of the film before he gets really involved in, you know, trying to be any kind of artist, you know, as just this violent criminal moving prison to prison, right? As, as if he's trying to get some kind of external validation, you know, being printed in newspapers, which according to the movie he was, people knowing his name in prison, you know, getting the validation of other prisoners. Yeah, you're sticking it to the man, all that stuff. And then maybe later, whether he realizes it or not, they attempt some form of therapy where, oh, hey, let's give you the opportunity to make art. And then maybe he is struck with the idea of, oh, wait, maybe there's some internal validation possibility here through art that I didn't consider. And putting those two things together, when I think about this movie, I think about it's less about necessary, necessarily like who Bronson is as a person, but maybe more about just the, the idea of fame, like the individual mm. achieving fame and what that looks like when it's at the price of their own sanity. Yeah. Because we have a person who like, you can name a lot of uh, musicians probably who are famous for being like incredibly suicidal <clears throat> or, you know, maybe mentally unstable people. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Lane Staley. I know I bring that up a lot, but lead singer of Allison Chains committed suicide essentially, slowly through heavy drug use, you know, the end of his life. And the interesting thing about this movie is people only cared about his art because he already was famous for being a criminal. It like gave it some kind of context where it's like, oh, well, maybe the masses can latch onto this because think about who made this art, you know? And then, oh, we can sell this? And that's why the warden is, I look at him as sort of like, you know, if Bronson was a musician, let's say, a guy who works at Warner Brothers or something, you know? And he's thinking about, oh, like, how can we market this? But then again, he doesn't really care as much as the the, um, art, the teacher. art teacher does, who yeah. even says release date. He says there's going to be a release date. He's referring literally when he says release date to him getting out of prison. But could that also be the release date for his artwork for the masses to see? Mm. And I think in the movie, there's a lot of these ideas of like, this is the price of fame. But he, as soon as Bronson realizes that he's being used, he says, oh, what do you mean we're going to be famous? I want to be famous. Yeah. He retaliates against it because he doesn't want to be put in a box. Yeah, and like you said, you know? he, he's being a rock star. 
there's actually three parts to this movie that I noticed which define his character within the end, right? I already mentioned the expressionism thing at the, the very end, but it starts off with rebellion. Then it goes right. to controversy. Then it goes to expressionism. Yeah, it's our way of perceiving what a rock star is. Rock star gets famous for and that's an image, rebellious image, it's imagery, a powerful yeah. image that we yeah. all latch onto in the yeah. in the media. Rebellious imagery, which causes controversy, right? And then after controversy, we see that as the art teacher did as expressionism. So he is following like the idealism of becoming a rock star in his own nature. Yeah, in his own way, his own yeah. weird way. Wow, that's incredible. That's a great theory. <laughs> yeah. That's really so, that's really deep. I I mean, I don't have any qualms with that. I think that's really accurate that that's kind of is, is the arc of the movie, you know? Mhm. Rebellious stage and the chaos stage and then like the artistic expression stage. Like a punk rock band or let's say like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. You know, they're basically <laughs> like a hardcore punk band ish when they start. I mean, there's some funk stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they get really commercialized. Not to say they're better or worse, but like they became a part of like the studio system. Yeah, and plus when later in their career, in the beginning, it was very different from that. They were just a bunch of rebellious like rock star guys. Yeah, who probably did a lot of drugs and partied hard. Now they all have families and they have yeah they make millions of dollars and they're very successful people. But maybe at, they chose to be a part of that system. Bronson didn't want any of that mm-hmm. because he saw what his art teacher was trying to do. And that his art teacher would also benefit off of his fame. And he's like, no, fuck that. This is for me. You know? Do you also think that Bronson just never wants to be labeled as anything? Where he even talks about oh, how, like, yeah. you can't put him in a box. Like, Yeah, you can't, you can't label, pin me down. You can't pin me down. Like, label him what he right. is. Like, as soon as, like, he starts becoming something, he's like, no, I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not an artist. Like, I'm not a fighter. What are you talking about? And every single time he, like, begins to have this moniker... He changes the game, like being a thief in the beginning and then fighting and then being an artist. That's true. All these different things where he's like dabbling and then... Intense modes of expression, all of them in a way. That's true. You know, whether they're crimes or not, like someone is expressing themselves physically or artistically. He kind of does both. Even his mustache you know, is considered by his uncle to be like a sign of his creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, his signature long, wide, curly mustache. And it's because he wants to be noticed. He wants to create his own image of himself. And I feel like the mustache is like a sign of the fact that he would be a creative person in a way, you know. It's pretty so surreal. I agree with you. It's pretty surreal totally. too, like coming from, like it takes place in England, you know. It's such a monarchy, industrial kind of location you feel a real sense of the system in the movie too yeah it's like 1984 over there it feels like that yeah all these statue guards holding batons especially staring at you motionless the movie itself kind of gives that feel is when you look at everything it's all about control thank you but it's all it's all about control it's all about them trying to tame this beast like when he goes to the um the loony house you know they're They're saying, like, we tame lions here. But that's ev- that's what the whole movie is, is about that all the guards trying to tame this lion. And he is just in this primal sense that he needs to, like I said, express himself. Mm. And through that, they see, a like, a glitch in this system, 
because in England, like post World War II, like during Cold War, it's all about control. It's all, or well, not necessarily control, but it's just like that's just how they work there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's why you were kind of alluding to dystopia, 1984. Exactly. A little bit. Yeah. You know? And so then here's the one person that won't. Um, won't assimilate with that. Kind of gave me some Clockwork Orange vibes. If you think about it. Oh that yeah, way. definitely you know? Clockwork Orange. That's like vibes. my next question. Oh yeah. okay. Well, shoot. Go ahead. No, no, you you're right on. I saw a lot of similarities between Clockwork Orange, and I was wondering if you guys saw the same thing. But especially when he was in the asylum. Oh yeah. Because the guy comes up to him, basically says, you know, when they're in this room of every, you know, all these people in this asylum clearly look like they're mentally unstable. You know, one guy's dancing around with a tennis racket. Another dude's rocking violently back and forth in front of a table for no reason. Bronson's just sitting there with spittle coming out of his mouth. He can't even speak. And this guy just says, oh, they'll never understand. You know, we're not crazy, but they have a problem with us, so they have to give us medicine. And it made me, and then he was talking about, well, they can't tame the inside. You'll never change who you are on the inside, whatever medication you have to take. And that made me think about like the struggle of Alex DeLarge, the main character in Clockwork Orange, <laughs> as the government tries to fix him by making it physically impossible for him to commit indecent acts. And eventually it just it doesn't work. You know, it's too controversial of a process and it causes him physical pain to the point where is that person even themselves anymore to a certain point? I think this movie really dealt with that. Definitely. Yeah. Especially in the in the sixties during like the height of the Cold War and all that, like yeah. with the whole like Red Scare, everybody's afraid of like what we have with chemtrail um, conspiracies and MK Ultra kind of stuff. Like back then, they really thought like Russians were trying to take control of everybody's minds. Or there's a lot of fear. Yeah, irrational like, it was just fears. a fear based yeah. society. Yeah, like, when they have the term of we weren't. Um, brought up by fearful men like we were mm. is like is fear that caused all these innovations i don't know where i'm going at with this but yeah just riffing just right. riffing just riffing with it so why why is there like a one-man audience kind of vibe like what does that what purpose does that serve not one man uh, did i say one man audience you one mean, man show there right, was like and a one man show a dark aspect. Room yeah, so and you can't see anyone's Bronson, faces. Yeah, exactly. Bronson is on stage for a couple couple scenes in the movie, and he's acting out other scenes in his life. Yeah, and I was just curious, like, is the audience his subconscious, and they're all just kind of like agreeing with whatever he's saying, or like, why is that a mechanism in the film? Is it just a vehicle to tell part of the story, or does it have a deeper meaning to you? Hmm, I feel as if this is one of the ways that I majorly benefited from watching this movie for a second time tonight. Because the first time was, I still don't have like a complete answer to your question, but I have a decent idea. And I do think you you were touching on it with like the idea that his subconscious is being shown. Yeah. You know, these dark figures could represent any anonymous person reading the newspaper about his exploits, you know, as he's going from prison to prison you know, beating the hell out of this guard, that guard over and over and over and just being a rebellious figure in general and them laughing when he wants them to laugh, you know, them applauding. It's sort of like, it doesn't matter who those people are, which is why we never see their face because they are the masses. They're like what we belong to when we read about 
oh, you know, the latest exploits of one of the Kardashians. You know, like, what has Kim Kardashian done this time? And maybe she's not violent necessarily, but her portrayal in the media is, you know, about these things that she's doing that are considered controversial Mm -hmm. over and over again. So I think it's just supposed to show both the reaction that he wants and maybe to some extent the reaction he's, he's actually getting. But whether we see who these people are is not really important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's about as like specific as I could. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. it's it's what he imagines life is on the outside. Like that's yeah. what he imagines interacting with his fans. Like that's oh, that, what he that's imagines. That's a good way to put fame. it. Yeah. So do you but guys think uh, real real quick? Yeah. yeah, just real quick. It uh, I might be beating a dead horse here, but I mm-hmm. think that it's possible that Bronson is the essence of a true artist. Yes. Totally agree. Because he cares about the art so much where it only it's it is only there to please himself. I think I'm gonna agree with you in that aspect where like he's only being artistic not to be famous. The art for some reason is just for himself. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the moment his art teacher st- starts talking about like releasing the stuff and getting it out there, if you were right about talking about if it's a release date or whatnot, then he he gets upset. Because yeah. he just wants the art for himself. It's it, it it might be all for himself. And I think that's why I, I'm saying he's the essence of a true artist. Because totally agree. the true artist doesn't care about what the audience mm-hmm. thinks. It's just they're putting out themselves. Hmm. But in yeah. a weird way, they also do want validation to an extent. He did want the warden to see it. You know? The, it's yeah. like he wants did to be appreciated. Are, are we acknowledging okay. that or are we not? Because right. either way, it's going to change Here's certain what, theories that we have. Not necessarily. Because he might want the warden to see this artwork he's created because he wants the warden to see that what he has done ha- is good work in his eyes. Well, not but only- it doesn't necessarily mean that he needs to be controlled to make it different, you know? Like, you can be honest with yourself artistically and still get a high from people liking it without necessarily needing to cater to them. Of course, but that's know? that's not what I'm talking about. I'm tra- talking about the essence of the true artist, the true artist being the person that just puts out creativity, puts out whatever's on their mind. Oh, wait, no. You know what? You're about... actually right. Because he was holding his artwork, and it was the art teacher oh, he, who he... had to physically yes. pry it from Bronson's that's hands right. to give to the warden. Bronson didn't say a whole word during that scene Yeah, where, where the – the artwork is supposed to be handed off to the warden. It's grabbed from him by the art teacher. Art teacher says, oh, warden, you know, Bronson wanted you to see this. Who knows if, if Bronson actually said that? Probably not. So actually, you're right. I, I eat my words of what I said. He before. does, however, seek validation in one part. Yes. Uh, Which, one part I remember is from when he gets paid for the first time for fighting. Mm. He, he specifically says, I give you magic out there. Yeah, so why aren't you giving me? And more? he does see his fighting as a form of artwork. Like sure. it, it's what's defined him. But I, I'm talking about his world. art. Art. I think like he becomes a different person almost. And, and I think it's because it's a different kind of validation. Yeah. Because it's an internal validation. Mm. While being a good physical fighter, while there are emotions and, and morale involved, is more of something related to the external. Yeah. You know, people from the outside being able to admire your physique and your fighting prowess is different than your artistic skill, which is a reflection of your heart or things like how your brain works, for example, you know? So maybe that's why he realizes that as an artist, he wants something different 
he rejects the glasses. One thing I noticed that was made so much sense to me is like, as soon as he starts, you know, creating this art in prison, he's got these like almost Elton John, like James yeah. Joplin kind of, you know, wide circular rim glasses on and he rejects them. And it's almost as if like, oh, this is me as an artist. So now I have to change how I look since I started creating this artwork. And then that's what was that quote that you said? Like, oh, this part of me is gone now. Yeah. When he gives it to his art teacher. Right. And um, it's, he says, that's a part of me. Yeah. And he yeah. gets rid of it because he rejects it. He's like, I don't feel like this is honest anymore. It is what I think he's really saying. That's how I interpret it, at least. Definitely. So. No, that's that's a really good point. Um, I was going to ask you guys, like, does Charlie have an obsession with chaos? Does he see chaos because it gives him this, like, artistic side where somehow when things just don't go as planned, it's it's the moments that he loves the best. I think throughout the Is movie, there a reason because of that? I like to think throughout the movie he realizes that he enjoys fighting. He enjoys, like, inflicting chaos, right? But in the end, he actually sees something artistic with it. For instance, you enjoyed music, right? Or still enjoy music. And then you try to learn music. But once you actually figure out how to play that song perfectly or near perfectly, you you see the true art behind it. You see, you understand it. And I think that's what happened or what it was happening with, uh, with Charlie Bronson was he realized he was getting really good at fighting. And then somebody told him, all right, now turn this into art, turn your chaos into art. And he found an artistic love within chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows in You're right. I think because it shows in his artwork yeah. when we're given these little images of, pieces of his artwork you know it's like a weird contorted like monstrous version yeah. of himself with like a penis coming out of the knee and like muscles in every direction and all of these heads screaming right and it's like that it's so chaotic it was something that like he was channeling it yeah it was almost like rehabilit or not rehabilitation it was it was um Thera therapeutic th therapeutic yeah for him and then the fact that it was being exploited angered him yeah so he was like this was me and you're just exploiting it, whether it's for money or not. Like, I can't live with that. I I can't live with the fact that somebody is, like, putting a uh, – pinpointing me, like, trying to put, put a finger on me and label me. Because in a way, when we get labeled as an artist, like, if someone says, oh, you're just a surrealist, well, what do you mean by just a surrealist? As if there's That's another like when he one? Says, when the art teacher says – Oh, it's your art is very interesting. Yeah, and he's like, what do you mean by interesting? That's exactly what I wanted to ask, too, in that scene. If I was Bronson drawing, art teacher comes by, you know, kind of thinking like, oh, what is this inmate getting from creating art? And he says, oh, well, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's like, well, well, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand. It's because calling something interesting is like a cheap placeholder for actually describing whether it has quality or not. Yeah. You know, you're being pigeonholed and just defined in this one word. Exactly. Like you saying. And you know? you, it's not like you know what's going on in Bronson's head. Right. You, you don't know what he's trying to express with himself. So why pinpoint it? And that's what angered him. That's what really got totally. him going. And so I think this movie is about a rock star. The rebellion going into uh, a rebellious attitude, going into uh, controversy, leading that into 
expressionism. And so he notices he's good at rebelling, right? He starts fights with everybody, and it causes controversy. And because he knows about this controversy, he knows he's become famous for it, he's like, let me turn this into art because now I'm understanding what art is for myself. Therefore, he makes something for himself, which is therapeutic. And then the fact that it gets exploited, it angers him. So what does he do? He does what he's good at best. He creates more chaos. Totally. And so therefore, in the end, he's like, in the end, he's like, that's a piece of me, all right. He makes yeah. this Salvador Dali-looking piece out of the artist himself. like The art teacher. The art yeah. teacher. He, he basically takes the art teacher, turns him into art, because the art teacher thought, like, okay, I can pinpoint you. He's like, no, you can't, because did you expect this? No. Mm-hmm. He's like, I did not expect that. You even notice the art teacher's crying. He cried. Yeah, yeah was, the tear. It was happiness. I was thinking it was That's happiness. The thing, I wanted to be happiness. And yeah. I feel that it's either happiness or the ambiguity in of itself is the meaning. Yeah. You know? That's because actually like, a really good idea. I've been idea. sacrificed. Yeah. You know, the art teacher is turned into a piece of art. Mm-hmm. So it's like the art teacher is sad because he's maybe lost control over his protege, yeah. you know, the inmate, Bronson. And yet at the same time, he may shed a tear of happiness because he realizes what you've just done is so artistically honest and wholesome where you even rejected me for trying to have any creative control whatsoever into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, it could, it could definitely be either sadness and grief or, or and gonna, happiness or both. I'm going to say it was happiness because yeah. if you noticed initially when the scene started, he was noticeably shaking the art teacher was, right? Mm-hmm. And then the time when the tear came, he stopped shaking. And it was almost this like moment of clarity. It was almost like the storm has had cleared. Yeah, he was a statue all of a sudden. He became this monument. Like he was carved out of marble. He might as well have been because of how emotionless he was. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. My, my point being is like I think he was shaking in the beginning of the scene. And then like he has this moment where he understands – what Bronson is doing, and then he cries because it's beautiful. Yeah. It's like mm. he's kind of crafted Bronson in a way, and maybe, like, to him, Bronson is, like, his art. Because Bronson doesn't want to be put in a box or anything like that, but in a way he kind of has. Like, the art teacher has tamed Bronson the most out of anybody. Easily, yeah. Or, and I think the art teacher has taken pleasure in that because it's, like, He's he ended up as art himself, but he was almost using Bronson as his own little art experiment. Do you think Bronson turned himself into what he wanted to be artistic? I think when I think about cuz he painted himself. Well, considering Bronson and his actions, the more we've been talking about it, it seems important to consider that Bronson doesn't really seem to have much of a plan. He doesn't. He really seems to act out because he feels that he needs to, which again would be a reflection of the true artist at work. Why do artists who are considered brilliant and uncompromising and honest and vulnerable, you know, uh, what makes people consider them becoming of those qualities? And it's this idea that they have to create. You know, Bronson probably doesn't know why he does a lot of the things he does, why he punches everyone in the face that he sees. 
why he draws the things that he draws. But I think he just does it because he feels he needs to. Like he's this kind of force upon the earth that he is almost art in of its in of himself. Yeah, like I was gonna acting say, out as like a force of nature, you know. And I'm kind of I was gonna say, do you embellishing think, on what you were saying, Trent? I I think yeah. I, it makes a lot of sense. I was to gonna me. say, do you think Bronson molded himself because he would pick a fight with all the guards, and the guards would just end up beating him down? But you think those beatings were just him just molding himself? Yeah. Totally. And then in the end, like he even paints himself throughout those scenes with the the audience. He he's painted. He paints half his face and he performs these shows. What if this is the artist turning himself into art? That's really fascinating. As yeah, as a theater production. Yeah, exactly. A one man show. The like show you must said. go on. Yeah, huh. I feel so. like there is kind of that vibe throughout the whole entire movie that he does kind of view his life as like a, a life on stage, like it's an act or a scene. He's or constantly an entire play. interrupting the yeah. film to look at us directly in the eyes and tell us about, oh, this is and it, what happened in this part of my life. In the this very part beginning of my life, you know? is just, it's not boring. It's just he he gets his his uh, coming of age stuff out of the way first. Like, all right, I was born in this family. This is me as a teenager. All right, now to what really molded me. Gets through fast too. Yeah. Like the, it goes right away to the him being in jail, to him having to, like I think not even within an hour of the movie, like not even like thirty minutes, he's already in the loony house. Yeah, it was pretty early on. Yeah, I forgot that it, it went that fast. I actually thought that was going to be later too. Me too. Yeah. So, I think maybe this movie is more about him, um, like molding himself, turning himself into the artwork. Because, yeah, he wants reactions so badly mm -hmm. that there comes a certain degree where which you're creating this persona. And yeah. we do know that the actual character's name is Michael Peterson. And yet he's created this alter ego. Oh, yeah, another thing. He's I given totally control to on. his alter ego to, to be a version yeah. of himself, to take over this theater Completely production. forgot about that. Like, he, he even has his own alter ego. It's almost yeah. like a David Bowie thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. like Ziggy Stardust. He even yeah. has a scene where he's he has the he's Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Like, pink yeah. And he sings a, face. I he sings a fucking song like during that. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. True. We, we are almost forgetting that this is based off a real person. We well, keep talking about, like, the character of Bronson. That's true. Well, the, are you talking about the actor, Charles Bronson, or the actual guy in prison in England? Well, we're, yeah, we we were talking the, about the movie character, but there's an actual guy in prison in England. Well, believe it or not, and I saw there's a video on YouTube like about fun facts about the movie Bronson. And the real Mickey Peterson uh, actually, like, praised Tom Hardy's performance, saying, like, didn't say, but was referring as into like that's exactly what went on or something like that. Oh like, wow! That's okay. a good rendition of what's going on with me. Well, but, I, but I'm pretty sure if like the real Mickey Peterson heard this shit, I wish I knew more about that. He'd be look it up. It's pretty. I'm cool. sure you probably know more than I do, and if you do, you should probably you know say as much because it, when it comes to the real you know Michael Peterson or Mickey Peterson. I know very little. Mm -hmm. I know. So. I looked him up. He, he exists. He's still in jail, too. And he's like yeah. 55, 56 now. When probably. was he first incarcerated? The first time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think he's been in jail 70s. almost like 40 years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really insane. Hmm. 
literally considered the world's most dangerous, or one of the world's most dangerous. He's an interesting, really, really interesting guy. Like he's written books in jail about working out in confined spaces. Mm. That's so crazy. So he does have this like artistic side that is portrayed in the movie. And so if Matt's right, where he really did give it his stamp of approval, then I think it really might be based off a lot of his life. That makes me really curious to go back, you know, and that's something that is super important with with any movie, I think, that says based on a true story is you want to know how much is borrowed, how much has changed. And I guess in this case, if you're if the guy being portrayed that the movie is about yeah, is exactly. giving it his stamp of approval, that's a, you know, a good sign yeah, that the exactly. performance of Tom Hardy, at least, was stellar. And I really think it was back to the artwork thing, though, when you think about it, like. This actually really does define what art is, is becoming completely organic with yourself, not labeling it at all. Because when you do label it, then it goes in a category. Mm. Then everything else could be with that category. So like, let's say I wanted to make my own Picasso. I could do that. Why? Because there's already a genre of Picasso. But, yeah, the idea of genre on the whole. But if the artist denies down. that it's a category, denies that it's labeled, says this is just for the moment. Because there's been some artists who, like, they make an art piece and then they burn it. They're, they're like, no, this was just for the moment. This wasn't meant to be to live forever. This was meant to be expressed for this, this exact moment. Mm. So maybe that's what uh, Bronson was going for. Like, because that's what chaos is like. It's it's spontaneity. Yeah, it, it was very spontaneous. You, you can't too. contain it. It and he it, couldn't be contained. So I think exactly. it definitely validates what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think he has like a problem with authority, or is he using authority as like a vehicle for his fame? I like to think he's using it as a vehicle. That's Why? an interesting question. I have to think about that. But it, it would be hard for me to like describe that, just because, I mean. I think he does. The very beginning, he doesn't like authority. He doesn't like the idea of being controlled or Yeah, I think he, down. he kind of has a... It's weird because it seems as if it's both in a certain regard. And I think it's because, as we've established, he doesn't want to be controlled. But you have to define what that means because he doesn't mind being in prison. Being in prison is a form of being controlled. And he refers to... Going from prison to prison is going to different hotel rooms because of how much he enjoys yeah. it. Plus, he was saying, like, I was shopping in my tools. You know? Yeah, when in prison. He saw, yeah. see, there you go. He saw it as a vehicle. He saw it as a way of making something out of himself. And that's exactly what goes on in the movie. He makes something of himself. There's, there's like even like he shows footage of him getting all the loonies together and rebelling at this one um, that prison this, that one prison mm-hmm. and freaking becomes famous news. He becomes labeled the most expensive prisoner to keep hold to where they have to set him free. Like that's how bad he got. So mm. I think that's why he liked prison. Because, like you asked, he was seeing it as a vehicle. Or do you think he secretly likes structure in his life? He needs it to have something to rebel against. It's like he has this love-hate relationship with it. Because if there wasn't any structure, 
he wouldn't be able to create chaos. Right. It's sort of like in order for there to be, uh, let's say, a it's counterculture a movement thing. in society, there has to be yeah, something culture. to counter first. Yes. You know? It's a yin-yang kind of thing. Yeah. Dark side and light. Can't be a Jedi without a Sith. His parents are like portrayed as completely the opposite of him in that regard. He doesn't necessarily rebel directly against him, but they represent this kind of like rigid, boring, everyman structure that he's just frankly not interested in at but all. But he kind of is too, because he asks about his like old stuff and everything. So like he's very aware and wanting structure as well. Because like, yeah, that's the irony stuff. of like, it. We're, like I'm, I'm going back to my old town. He even goes back to his old town because he he likes how everything was for some reason. Even though he he wanted to get out of that life. It's still like what he knows, and it's still like structure for him. Well, also he'd never he'd been in jail for like what seven years or longer than that at, at that, that time. time. So I think there was like twenty something at that time. Yeah, yeah. He said, I think it was twenty so, something years before he was released for being too excessive in yeah. his behavior. Basically, maybe yeah. he was thinking like this is what I'm supposed to do, like get back from where I started, but rehabilitate in society or something exactly but there's no starting line like this is it like you're you're just in the middle of the past and the you're just in the middle of the path now Mm. you're not back at the starting line so what does he do he goes find his uncle looks for work yeah does what he's good at and then he gets back into crime and goes back people up yeah Yeah. Why do you think that love scene was thrown in there? Do you think that was thrown in there for like Hollywood purposes or no? Because it was, it was so tr- abnormal, it was definitely and uncomfortable that I don't think so. It was definitely him trying to understand, like his human nature or like just human nature in general. Like, like I went, said, he thought, okay, I got to go back to the starting line. Like this is where I start off, and then I go back to back on the path. But no, he's in the middle of the path, so. He sees a girl that he likes, but he has no idea how to deal with girls. So, like, that's why it was such an awkward scene. It was so weird. He, he never experienced that before. And so that's why. And he, when he says, I love you yeah. to this woman that essentially is <laughs> He's just only been free, like, around as, like, days. an accessory to his uncle. Yeah. Who was the one who gave him the job of basically beating people up. Exactly. So, yeah, and, it's really awkward and. I think I don't even know if he understands because of how inwardly focused he is the concept of truly loving someone else. It's om- like when he says it he's like I love you. Almost as if like he's either realizing that that's true or he feels like oh this is what I should say in the moment. You don't get the idea that he really is confident about what he's doing and everything else that he does is totally confident. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in the behavior. beginning, in the beginning he does get with a girl, gets married and then has a kid. True, and yeah. He starts a little family, but then he he doesn't know what to do from that. So he robs a post office, goes to jail and realizes he loves jail. But he was doing that up until then. He was doing that because he thought it was what he was supposed to do. Right. It was his because like that was just life at that time. Like you grow up, you get a job, you start a family. It's just that whole, um, what would you call it? Uh, Every man kind of typical, like middle class yeah. structure of life in a, yeah, in a Western world. It was, it was world. that yeah. idea of him being part of the structure. Then he goes to jail, realizes he loves it. He's good at causing chaos. Yeah. Then 
like we go back to the without structure, there's no chaos. Without chaos, there's no structure. Mm-hmm. So it's like him fighting this imbalance of like, what does he really want? Mm-hmm. Does he want structure or does he want chaos? He knows he's good at chaos, but he feels that he needs the structure in order to like impress everybody. Mm. Yeah, he does. He does kind of like go along those lines sometimes where when he does try to experience love the second time, mm-hmm. he is kind of just doing what he thinks is normal and what he thinks society is is like telling him to do. And so he does have this pull of like, oh, no, I should be normal sometimes. Like I'm on the outside now. Yeah. Like that's what this is what normal people do. And he's trying to fit in. And I think once the woman tells him that she's getting married to someone else, he realizes how ridiculous he is and how he doesn't fit in. He so he's just like, I'm not even going to try it, anymore. Yeah. I remember when he yeah. gets released, he's like, all right, I'm going to give this whole society thing a shot. Yeah. He and does he, like, I'm going to see what the free air has to offer me. And then, like you said, in the end, he, he's, you know what? I just don't fit in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back. To I mean, how does I he even acquire the ring that he gives to exactly. supposedly the woman that he loves? He goes into a jewelry store. He smashes one of the employees' heads in the glass. He tells says, the other coworker, "Call the police in 15 minutes." And it's so intimidating, I what, probably would. What have was waited it that too. he said though? Like, when, <laughs> and he just grabs the ring and he leaves. You know. What was it that he says though? Like right before the they throw him in the slammer, he says like, "We'd been expecting them." Oh yeah, Trent called called that out. Yeah, yeah. that that was a really interesting saying. Like we like him and him, like himself saying that. He, he he said he said something along the lines of like they didn't need fifteen minutes to find me, we had been expecting them, and I think he's talking mm. about his his personalities, his split personality. I think that's a good call. Like he was looking for he was waiting for them. He was waiting longer than fifteen minutes for them to find him or for him to find them, and it was the authorities. Take like it was a, some true his true self deep down inside. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about that is that in the context of what he's doing, if it's really true that after he you know robbed this jewelry store for the ring and was giving it to this woman, if he knew he was going to be arrested, then there's no way he could have gotten married to her really, or at least spent time with her. You see what I mean? Because he was arrested there right after attempting to give the ring to this woman. So it's almost, it's kind of fatalistic. Like, if he knew truly, and I think that he did plan it this way, that he was going to get arrested within 15 minutes of robbing the store, why would he even attempt to give the ring to this woman? You know? Yeah, it was just a vehicle to get arrested again and get back in the system. But you do get the feeling that he really tries for a moment with her before he goes into, back into prison. Well, yeah, and then she said like she had Maybe. a boyfriend, and then that's when he kind of gives up. He's well, like, she had oh, already established that she it. had a boyfriend. At this point, now she's saying, "I'm getting married to my boyfriend, Brian." No, that's afterwards. That's after he gives the ring. I'm saying beforehand. He, oh, you're talking. Oh, yeah, earlier in the movie when he first says, "I love you." Yeah, yeah. and then that's when he goes impact. on. That's when he goes and steals the ring. That's when he's like, "Oh, screw it all! Like I'm just gonna go back to jail. Like this isn't working out. This whole like going by society." Uh, their standards or whatnot, it's not working out. So that's when he steals the ring. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's a lot of parts that I find very humorous throughout the film. And I was wondering, do you think the, the, the movie might be a comedy? 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Especially after watching it more than once. I, I well, do he admits, it I've always wanted to be a comedian. I've always wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and what? I don't understand that, though. That just seems like almost left field. Why Why comedy out of all the things? Or is it? Is it the fact that, like, Bronson just loves being an entertainer so much that he will entertain in any any aspect whether it be art or stand up or theater like he's just laughing at the world no 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 no. like he just loves entertaining so much like he's he's a fighter that's entertaining like he wants to be a celebrity he likes comedy he likes art you know all those there are a lot of scenes where like when he when there isn't approval or he doesn't seem there is approval from it that he just gets super angry about it um, what, what are you referring to specifically well, for stars he he doesn't have uh he there's a m- lot of moments where he gets like no self-satisfaction like when he gets paid uh for the first time for fighting he's like i give you fucking magic out there like what don't you like about this is like I should be getting paid more or something like that. There's no self-satisfaction for him. And then like when what we were talking about when they try labeling his artwork when they there's no self-satisfaction in that for him. So it's right. Like, he doesn't want to do anything for people. He just wants to do stuff for himself. But he he does see these these interests like the comedic side of the fighting side. All that, but to but why? People. The question was like, why comedy? Why was this made a comedy? Is it because it's trying to show something about the character, or is it just like a mechanism that the director or producer used to entertain the audience? Hmm. Like comedy, I guess maybe like comedy, something you least like, expect. Well, because like in comedy exists in um, superhero movies because it's obviously a vehicle to entertain. Right, and it makes it more immersive. For, like, the vast majority of people. Right. You know, you just pull people in immediately with someone who can communicate, you know, comedy effectively. Uh, Yeah. It it could be that, and I don't think in this case it is, though. Right, because this this is a pretty artsy movie, so uh, now I'm wondering why why is it in there. I think... Did you say it's black comedy? To an extent, yeah. Like dark comedy? Oh, the idea of, like, the dark comedy. Oh, dark comedy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think... When it comes down to it, Bronson, at least part of him, maybe he's not aware of it or not, or maybe he's just so molded by reactions. He's such an absurd character. Maybe he does it on purpose. Maybe he doesn't. But I think he's playing up the comedic element because it makes it easier for people to be entertained. Like when he feels really validated from the reaction of the inmates in the prison is when they're clapping for him because, you know, he got in a fight with the guards. And then when he's giving his theater production, there are moments where everyone erupts and roars with laughter because of how absurd the things that he's doing are, you know? And I feel like he tries to use comedy, especially when he's painting his face, you know, and he's communicating to this faceless audience as a a vehicle for immersing the world in his actions, you know, of drawing attention to himself. So the movie is also a vehicle for us as the audience watching the movie, I think, to be entertained also on a comedic level because of how absurd so much of it is. I mean, his little reactions to things, he doesn't, he just makes sounds sometimes instead of answering people's questions. 
you know? Like there's that whole scene where he's with his Uncle Jack and then one of the women in the room asks him, what are you going to do now? And then he just looks at his drink and he's just like, hmm. He just grunts basically. And then he's like, this drink is very strong. I like it. That's all he says. Like it, yeah. It's really funny because the guy seemingly doesn't know how to how to like socialize with people. But is he playing that up or not? Regardless, I feel like it it makes it really funny for us and then uh, also for how absurd it is to it's everyone. Also kind of, it's also kind of like him just symbolically telling her, like, I'm just going to live when you think about it. Yeah. Like, that's all he does. He just drink my moves drink. away from here, drinks my drink, yeah. eats mm-hmm. something. That's it. Um, I could actually um, prove that he did want to go back to jail, like the moment he got sent out. Because after he meets his parents, he goes on train to go back to Luton, right? What's the first thing he does when he's on the train? Uh, lady converses with him, asks him where he's going. He says, I'm going to kill the queen. Right. So he's trying no, that to... Was, that was a joke, I think. Maybe. Yeah, or well, maybe he was trying to stir something up and it didn't work. No. It was definitely a joke. I mean, it, I would say with that comment, because I, I did think about that, like, oh, are we going to see, like, this plot occur where he's going to try to actually kill the Queen of England? But it never comes to anything. I feel like that's his attempt at comedy when he's trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. But the thing about his character is that the only times where he's really funny to anyone except for this faceless audience that probably isn't even real right. is when we're laughing at him watching the movie. Yeah. When he makes that joke about, oh, I'm going to kill the Queen of England – the woman that's sitting in the car, in the train car, doesn't doesn't it. laugh at all. It's like he totally fails if he's trying to be comedic, but we laugh at his expense because he's so absurd, and that's what makes it funny to us. I feel like that's how I look at why this movie is comedic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in his, it's at his own expense ultimately. I think it's so interesting because that theme comes up a lot. We we're just talking about it. How <clears throat> that woman he says he loves asks him. So what are you going to do now that you're out of jail? And, like, he doesn't have a response. He just drinks his drink. And that theme keeps coming up. Like, what are you going to do, Bronson? What do you want, Yeah, exactly. And he never, ever has an answer. He never, ever has an answer because maybe, maybe, like, he doesn't understand it. It doesn't compute in his brain where it's like, wait, what am I going to do? I'm, like you said, I'm just going to exist. Like, I'm going to cause chaos. Like, it's all about here that's and now. That's not how chaos works so then, to yeah. have a motive. But then right. when he that's already, not how it works. Wants. That's not how it works. Yeah. If you have a plan, then it's not chaos. Wouldn't that mean yeah. he already has what he wants? I don't even no. know if it's about what he wants or doesn't want. I think he's just this vessel of action. He's like this force of nature wreaking havoc because for whatever reason he feels he needs to. So when someone mm. tries to stop him you know, pump the brakes, Bronson, what do you want? He doesn't have an answer because that's not the point. He's not going to pump the brakes. He's going to keep going because that's the only thing he really knows how to do is just yeah. act out, you know? And I feel like anyone who tries to stop him from doing that ultimately fails. And yeah. that's like what Trent was saying, I think, at the very beginning, is this idea of uh, does this character really make progress? It looks like he does, but then by the very end of the film, I don't really think he does. I've got to say, though, it kind of sounds like a paradox. Think about it. He he gets asked what he wants, right? And what he's good at is causing chaos. How do you cause chaos? It's what he's already doing. So when they ask him what he wants, here he has what he wants. 
but people keep saying that he he's he's trying to acquire this attention but and they ask him what he wants he already has what he wants yeah. he wants to cause chaos he because that's what he's good at mm. and so he keeps doing this and everybody keeps asking him what he wants so it's a paradox it's a cycle and that just keeps happening again and yeah. again and there's almost a lot of like and it's almost like it's his drive yeah and it's interesting because the fact that he has this drive, I think, is really reinforced by what's going on in the movie visually, too, which is something we haven't really talked about a lot, or maybe not even at all. We, we haven't even talked but about the The visuals. film is so, I don't know if you guys felt this way, so claustrophobic. Oh, my God, like, especially that last scene. All of, all of the shots that I remember the best in the movie, and there are a lot of them like this, are like a close-up of Bronson with like a bare wall behind him, mm-hmm. or a cage, or a prison cell, you know? And we're, they're almost trying to, you know, filmmakers making us watch this movie are almost trying to put us in the scene. It's like you're sharing a cell with Bronson. Like yeah. you're looking at this artist trapped <laughs> face to face. And I love that about the movie because you don't even want to be in a room. Everything with is like a shine. fixture, you know? <laughs> like they show these uh, these prison guards, if they're not beating him up, they're just standing like a, like a statue, completely motionless, holding the baton. There's even a shot that like zooms into a baton just mm-hmm. to show us like, hey, here's the symbol of justice, of the law, of the structure, you know, and all of the walls. I mean, we're looking at bare walls for like half the movie and they contrast with his image against them. Yeah, because those are the confines he likes to be in when he's, uh, you know, when he's in prison, he considers it his hotel room. Th- this visual element is really consistent and it give, it makes you feel uncomfortable and like that you can almost relate to. The I've got to say, there's like almost every scene in that movie is like a claustrophobic scene. Like it's closed spaces. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, even when he's outdoors, it seems like closed spaces when he's walking around. There's always something like surrounding him. You know? There's always something that just seems really closed. He and, always, yeah, it always it, feels enclosed. I wonder if I watched it again and realized if things were getting cl- like closer and closer and then widen out when he gets free and then closer and closer and closer until exactly the very happens. last scene, it's yeah. literally a small box to where he's still trying to struggle out of it. That's, wow. That's, dude, that's totally what it is too because the, the cell the cell that he's in is basically a cage that barely fits his body. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time we see him in a cell at the end of the movie. Yeah. And... The funny thing is that, like, what maybe he's miserable in that, but he also kind of thrives in that environment. So it's like visually, the spaces, like you say, become far more open when he gets out of prison briefly. But then when he goes back in, that claustrophobia becomes more intense. Like he's addicted you know? to it because every time, yeah, when he's in the loony house, he's like, "I've got to get back to my hotel," right? When he gets free, like in the end, he looks for a reason to go back to his hotel. Yeah. And then what happens? He gets the smallest hotel there is, the very end. Mm-hmm. Basically a cage. Literally yeah. a cage. Yeah. I think uh, just maybe like the last thing we could talk we could talk about, mm-hmm. um, just backtracking a little bit. I think sure. another thing, touching on the comedy thing, is like it might it might be a comedy because the whole fact that every time he takes someone hostage, they ask him like, "What does he want?" Well, the whole chaos of the situation is what he wants so there's like irony that's playing in and it's funny because that's what he wants 
they keep asking him what he wants for a prisoner or a hostage, which is the normal thing, but like he's already getting what he wants in the Being process. In the hotel goes back room. to my the paradox. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is yeah. a paradox, but I'm. I think that plays a factor in like the humor of it all. So you're saying it's he ironic. wants a reaction? It's tragically ironic in a way mm-hmm. too, because he can't have what he wants. Because you're and keep it's, it. It's a moment. It's so transitory. It's a moment like that moment where he has someone hostage in a cell, and the guards rush in to challenge him, and he fights. And they capture him, and they move him somewhere else. That whole process, he fucking loves that. Yeah, like you can't put that into words. You can't be like, "All right, I want you, like you guys, to rush in, like after our, I get this body paint on real quick." Like he can't put that into words, so he just has to do it. He has to make it happen by any means necessary. Yeah, I totally see how that process. Looking at his performance, I mean, he's all smiles and laughter and. Yeah. Sh- shouting for joy honestly think that's the best smile whenever he's beating people up and then there are parts of the movie where you think oh this has happened enough times is he actually going to escape never does yeah you know he just goes back into another cell somewhere else Mm -hmm. so it's funny how like you said it's very ironic and because of how ironic it is it's humorous it's definitely true i definitely see that awesome well, yeah, that's a great, great place to leave off. We talked about this film for a good, good while, and yeah, man, it's one of my favorites. Don't I, want to mention other it. things about Tom Hardy in that movie. Like we, we could if we like, wanted to. Like the to. Tom Hard on. <laughs> Actually, like, dude, hangs zero. Dong. He was pretty flaccid. Yeah, dude, dude, dude hangs dong in that movie. So if you've made it this far through the spoilers, <laughs> if that, if that doesn't it. sell it, then <laughs> I don't know. Maybe bad taste in in, uh, in movies. Yeah, that's true. It was it was quite lovely. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> it's ridiculous, actually. I don't think I've seen any other movie where there's that much male nudity. Uh, I can name two right now. Okay. That Ugh. people should watch because they're also really good movies. Probably Viggo movies Mortensen, I haven't seen. Vigo Mortensen and Eastern Promises. I haven't seen it. Michael Fassbender and Shame. Nope. Really talented actors hanging dong and doing other cool acting stuff too. Dope. So see those. But hanging dong with a guard having to. Uh, rub lotion on them. That though, I've never seen that. Only never in Bronson. Seen that. Yeah. Only well, right. he wasn't a guard. He was a librarian. You anyways. guys have your homework. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. <laughs>